You are listening to Radio Free Signs of the Times, broadcasting into the heart of an occupied America. Welcome to this week's Signs of the Times podcast. I'm Henry. I'm Joe. And I'm Scott. This week we've brought back our friend astrophysicist Jean-Pierre Petit. We've dragged him back, kicking and screaming. (laughs) (laughs) To continue our conversation... And the subject today is going to be energy and doomsday scenarios. We're not talking about New Agers waiting for Space Brothers or Christian fundamentalists who are waiting for Jesus. We are going to look more at the kind of scenarios that are being drawn up in research centers such as Sandia and corporations such as the Lambda Corporation. These are scientists and researchers who are we would say, in the pay of the pathocrats, and they're working out the scenario for our future. But we also want to look at some of the work that is going on at Sandia in energy. And maybe Jean-Pierre can start off and tell us a bit about the Z or Z machine. Well, uh, everything tells around a a person whose name is Gerald Jonas. Gerald Jonas is uh, one of... uh, chief of Sandia Research and uh, um, head of the scientific research. Sandia is the, the heart of the uh, military-industrial complex, American complex. They produce the most sophisticated uh, weapons uh, I- I- in, the, in the country. Uh, they have uh, activity uh, in uh, various fields, uh, including uh, robotics, uh, nuclear weapons, uh, beams, and so on. Uh, I went to Sandia in uh, 1976, and uh, I met uh, Gerald Yandas, who, who began to start to achieve fusion with electron beams. He had a huge machine that was described in uh, Scientific American in 1979. You have a picture of this uh, machine there. And uh, he is a specialist for very high currents, high voltage. And he, he focuses this energy on, on targets, and he has tried during three years to increase the pressure and the temperature in the in the target. Well, uh, until the last uh, few years, uh, the temperature was growing uh, quite slowly, and I, I think it must be around two thousand. Uh, they announced that they had a temperature reaching to millions degree, uh, and they said they were close to get three millions degree and close to get the condition for fusion process. And then suddenly, new results were uh, revealed, and the order of magnitude of the temperature were completely different. It was two billions degrees. So in a very short time, they went from having a system that could produce two or three million degrees to two billion degrees. Exactly. It's a jump with a factor of 1,000. Well, uh, we have papers, and uh, I see here uh, a paper in life science in which I can uh, read, uh, scientists have produced superheated gas exceeding temperature of 2 billion degrees Kelvin. Uh, 
it's hotter than the temperature in the interior of the sun. Uh, this was accomplished in the Z machine in the Sandia uh, National Laboratory. Uh, Chris Dine, who was the leader of the project, said, at first, we were disbelieving. We repeated the experiment many times to be sure we had a true result. <laughs> well, we could describe this machine. Uh, imagine a, a cage for birds. Uh, and uh, this cage is made with very uh, thin wires. Mm -hmm. uh, in this 100 wires, metallic wires, uh, the guys of Sandia inject 20 million amperes. This produces magnetic field, and uh, all physicists know that this object tends to collapse towards the axis. Right. 20 million amperes. Uh, how, is that a lot? Is that a little? I have no way of judging. You know. that's, uh, a, that's a good question because uh, is it science fiction uh, uh, intensity? No, absolutely not. Uh, in 1954, uh, the Russian Sakharov produced 100 million amperes with a device he invented, which is a, a magneto-hydrodynamic device. I will not describe it here because it... Uh, well, we've already touched on, on the MHD in our previous podcast with you, and so listeners who are interested in that can go back and, and listen to those podcasts. Well, you know, MHD is a fantastic field, and this result of uh, Sakharov is a demonstration what we can do with that. Uh, for an example... Uh, this result of 100 million appears uh, correspond to a uh, low-level technology. Uh, I will not say that you could do that in high school, but, uh, you know, in a small university, because the uh, primeval energy is a chemical, it's an explosive. So uh, Sakharov using a condensator bank and an explosive with a device one meter long, <laughs> could uh, produce 100 million amperes. Well, it was his way to produce intensity. Sandia has uh, much more money, <laughs> and they produce electricity in a different way. But, you know, this is not a problem to produce 20 million amperes. And okay. even if other country would uh, follow this uh, uh, idea and do their own experiment, uh, they w it would not require an, a fantastic amount of money. They could use a Sakharov system, you know. Are we talking here about um, like a, a, an electricity power generating no, uh, it's station, it's for example? That no, it's pulse. It's pulse. Oh, it's pulse. It pulse, you know. Uh, the duration of the Sanya experiment is 100 nanoseconds. Okay. But it's large enough, you know. We don't need a, a lot of time. And so these uh, uh, wires... Uh, tends to focus on the axis. And this idea to focus matter somewhere in order to rise the temperature and the density is a general idea to get fusion uh, for pulse system. Uh, for an example, in Livermore, in 1976, they had lasers. And with these lasers, they tried to produce the fusion too. The target then is a small tiny sphere, uh, uh, some tenth millimeter diameter, with uh, every hydrogen inside, liquid. 
and uh, uh, the focus energy of lasers. Uh, in 1976, I saw the Janus experiment, the Shiva experiment with the 24 lasers, terawatt laser was uh, uh, in construction. And then uh, uh, the lasers bring energy at the surface of the tinosphere, where there is a material which is called a pusher. This pusher expands. It expands outside, but also inside, and this in expansion inside compresses the liquid uh, hydrogen, and this was expected to produce fusion. But it's impossible to have a spherical symmetry, to conserve a spherical symmetry. You know, take some, uh, some material in your hand, if you turn to compress, uh, it will go uh, b between your, your, your fingers, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, it appears that it worked with a cylinder because if you consider the system of Sandia and uh, Jonas, you have a cage and this cage is focusing towards the axis. And what was so it's not a square cage; it's a round cage. It's exactly okay. cylinder. It's a round cage, and this uh, material uh, focused to the axis, um, uh, giving a pla hot plasma whose diameter is a one millimeter and a half, and uh, it, the temperature rises so much that they were disbelieving. <laughs> they did the experiment many times. So uh, people could ask, how do they know that they have such high temperature? They have two ways to, to, to investigate. The first, when your 20 million amperes are flowing in a very uh, tiny cord of plasma, the magnetic field is very strong around. And then you have magnetic pressure that you can size. So you can evaluate the value of the temperature inside. And you need a 2 billion degree to, to prevent the implosion of the object and to have that we call stagnation condition. Stagnation condition, when the currents flows in the wires, the wires are vaporized, transform into a plasma, but this plasma uh, focus on the axis, and then you have an implosion, and then the system stops on stagnation condition, and this can, stagnation condition can occur if the magnetic pressure is balanced by the thermal pressure, so it requires a 2 billion degree, but they have a second way to measure the temperature, at such temperature, the plasma emits X-rays, and uh, the people of Sandia had systems to make measurement on the wavelength of the uh, radiation emitted. They could record it, including time, and then it appeared that it was perfectly two billions degrees. This temperature is... Uh, incredible, you know, for a physicist. It's an another world. And now, why is it so important to have such temperature? Well, you know that in Tokamax, in system like ITER in France, people try to um, produce fusion at 100 million degrees in a constant duration uh, system, a steady-state system. Here it's completely different, it's just pulse system, like uh, explosion motor, you know, boom, 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 boom. And uh, in the center of the sun, the temperature is much lower, you are only 15 million degrees, and this fusion is very slow. 
and Tokamak we expect to have a, a much higher rate. And then uh, 100 million degrees is considered as a, as a threshold mm -hmm. to get fusion with deuterium, tritium. Deuterium has two uh, nuclei, uh, uh, as a nucleus with two uh, proton and neutrons, mm -hmm. and tritium as a proton and two neutrons. So two plus three gives five. Five is one nucleus of helium and one neutron. And this neutron produces radioactivity. Nothing can uh, trap. So it. the conventional forms of nuclear power, as we know, are not clean. Exactly. You know. But if you can rise to higher temperature, like 500 million degrees, you may obtain the fusion of lithium plus hydrogen. And this fusion produces two helium and no neutrons. So this is clean fusion. And that's a new idea that people have to consider right now. Uh, nuclear physics and nuclear plants are not bad, basically. You have bad fusion and good fusion. Bad fusion produces radioactivity. Good fusion produces helium. And you can inflate balloons for babies with that, you know. And uh, that's incredible. So at, with 500 million degrees, you can achieve fusion with lithium and hydrogen. With a billion degrees, you can achieve fusion with boron, boron and hydrogen. Boron has 11 um, uh, objects in the nucleus plus uh, ordinary hydrogen, and all this uh, material is very common on the Earth. And this uh, second fusion uh, gives um, three heliums and no, no neutrons. So they are clean fusions. So uh, you get a plasma with very hot helium, and the question is, what do I do with this plasma? How can I uh, produce electricity? The answer is very simple and is provided by magnetohydrodynamics. You have a solenoid. The solenoid contains all the system, and this plasma expands in this magnetic field, and the compression of the magnetic field produces induced current, and this current is just can be sent to the external, uh, external use. You know, it's a direct conversion. You have no steam engine. You have no rotating machine. You have nothing. <laughs> You're just a solenoid. So the the most uh, modern system to produce energy is the most simple you can imagine. You know, and so to summarize, to see if I'm understanding what you're saying correctly, the potential of the Z or Z machine if we take for a moment uh, the fact that, that it's real, is that it gives us the means to produce limitless amounts of clean energy. Absolutely. And it would solve the energy problems for the entire world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, in addition, <laughs> there is another problem. When uh, the people of Sandia uh, operates their machine, the bird cage collapse. Uh, they inject kinetic energy. I mean, this plasma has kinetic energy directed towards the axis. And then they have uh, X-rays. And they can uh, measure the quantity of energy emitted by the X-ray. 
and this quantity is four times larger <laughs> than the kinetic energy. So uh, they have uh, uh, to face a very strange problem. Is it a viol violation of the principle of conservation of an animator? W where does this energy come from, really? Mm -hmm. And in the paper of Heinz, uh, uh, of February, he tried, uh, Heinz is a guy I knew uh, before uh, in uh, Warsaw. He was a re young researcher. I, I met Jonas and I met uh, Heinz too. And he was specialist in uh, magnetohydrodynamics too. Well, uh, he tried to introduce uh, uh, an interpretation through magnetohydrodynamic concept in order to explain how the magnetic energy could be converted directly in thermal energy. It was published in this paper in uh, a physical review letter. And as Arc pointed out, it took one year to publish this. So it, it shows that there was some problem to, to release this information. Well, but we should say to our readers who don't know this publication... Uh, oh yes, but serious. It's a very serious publication, and it is there... As you may or may not know, it takes a long time, sometimes several years, to get publications into some of the other physics journals. And this one was created to permit the more rapid publication of news such as this, which is why it's called The Letters. And the fact that it took a year is indicative. Uh, it, that's a long time for something to... Yes, sir, Mark, that's a long time. Well, well uh, Hans tried to explain this... Uh, uh, extra energy. But recently, uh, on May 8, uh, he gave an interview to Live Science. Uh, we have this interview there, and I can read Sandia consultant Malcolm Hines theorized that some unknown energy source is involved, which is providing the machine with an extra jolt of energy just as the plasma ions are beginning to slow down. This sentence is fascinating, you know. And uh, I can read too. One thing that puzzles scientists is that the high temperature was achieved after the plasma ions should have been losing energy and cooling. So you have a mystery. First, you have an enormous amount of energy, and then you have too much energy. <laughs> Where does this energy come from? You know... Uh, some have ideas, and what is very interesting is that Heinz um, himself uh, went back on his own paper because uh, he is now convinced that his explanation is not believable. And I think the explanation that he gave 30 years ago. What? The explanation that he gave 30 years ago? No, not 30 years. <laughs> no, no, no. This is another paper, a paper no, that he just written? No, no. In, in, in the paper of February. In uh, February, he gave an explanation okay. to um, And then in March, he changed it. So changed. in the period of several weeks. Exactly. Yeah. It shows that there is a problem. I, I have had a recent contact by mail with Gerald Jonas, uh, and uh, I asked him a question about uh, this uh, amount of energy, and his answer that was that uh, after the compression, the 20 million upper was still flowing in the plasma cord, and that dual eating could explain this increase, but uh, I'm not very convinced, and Heinz is not convinced too. So... Uh, 
two news. First, we have a new source of energy. And the second, where does it come from? <laughs> and, uh, uh, well, uh, the listener could ask, but, uh, okay, uh, they focus their uh, metallic wires on uh, plasma cords, but it produces energy. But what this energy come from? Well, replace the axis of the system by a mixture, uh, lithium hydrogen or bore hydrogen, and then the compression makes the fusion mixture to be converted into helium. And then you can uh, get the energy, produce a pulse of, of uh, electricity. And we have system to make, the, uh, to create a cycle. It's, a, it's like an explosion motor, compression, fusion, expansion, <laughs> compression, fusion, expansion. You store a, a, a certain percentage of produced energy in order to uh, charge a condensate bank, and then you, you do it again. A priori, the problem are, are solved. You know, you, you are, you are, it's much easier to make short-duration experiments than to... Uh, stand uh, uh, tokamak mm -hmm. with 100 million degrees, you know. Uh, consider the story of the tokamak since uh, 40 years. Each time you, you try to get more, each time you have new problems, okay? And here, we don't know where the problems could come from. The, the problems are solved. Well, the problems are solved, but you're also saying that they don't even understand how it's working and where it's coming from. <laughs> it yeah. sounds to me like there's still a few problems to work out. You know, you know, it's uh, it's like if you reverse the problem in physics, sometimes you predict something and it doesn't happen. But sometimes something happens and you don't you understand. Don't What do you prefer? <laughs> in discussing this uh, over the last couple of days with you, this limitless amount of power obviously can be used for military purposes and it would be a way of putting tremendous power in the hands of of almost anyone. That's perfectly true, you know. But uh, take a knife. You have it in your kitchen, but you can kill somebody with you, know? <laughs> you have nothing in technology. You cannot be transformed into a weapon. Yeah? Well, nuclear weapons are especially um, uh, able to destroy uh, the planet. And uh, uh, at the present time, you if you want to enter the club of uh, nuclear uh, nations, uh, you have to uh, uh, get uh, enrichment of uh, uranium, mm -hmm. and uh, this prevents uh, too much uh, country to enter the club. The last one is iron that wants to, to come in. Brazil as well. Brazil. For Which is interesting India. because Brazil at the minute, yep. uh, but, well, India well, is kind of already there, India, but, uh, but Brazil is on the same path as Iran. They've just uh, completed their uh, first kind of enrichment, but there, there's no problem with uh, no problem with Brazil doing this. I mean, hardly anybody knows. I, I'm looking at the surprised look on all of your faces. Perhaps no one knows that Brazil is doing exactly the same thing at exactly the same time as Iran. Mm -hmm. Of course, Brazil hasn't uh, threatened, you know, to destroy any other countries, yes. which we are told that Iran has. But then that's a different topic altogether. But let me just be a little bit um, pessimistic here, if I can. Yes, you um, can. Yeah, yeah. Because... Uh, You know, this talk of um, this new technology that will provide limitless energy for the entire planet. My question 
is um, why do we need uh, okay I can understand why we need it would be nice to have limitless energy but what is wrong with the energy that we have been using for the past 100 years uh, specifically normal electricity and uh, carbon based uh, you know, fuels like, like petrol uh, oil etc what is wrong with this why, why, why you know I'm, I'm not against progress but you know what is the problem with with normal electricity and and, you know, and, and petrol? You know, uh, uh, at the beginning of the century, we started to use electricity. F- uh, before we had horses, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, we had horses. We used the horses to to uh, uh, to, to move our machines, and you, you we used steam engines. Uh, it's like the introduction of steam engines. Our world will be completely changed. That's all. Yeah. And of course, about the military. Uh, let, uh, let me just finish. Let me let me just finish that point. Yes. Because the, as I said, in answering the question myself, uh, the problem obviously is that at at the minute uh, there are many many millions of people who don't have electricity, and many many millions of people who don't have access to. You know the modern uh, technologies that electricity and particularly oil um, w- provides to people in the West and in developed countries. So this is obviously a problem. Um, we have mi- millions of people starving, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So the idea that there would be a new technology that would provide energy for everyone, the entire planet, forever, is wonderful. But the problem, as I see it, is that. As far as I'm concerned, there's no reason why millions of people on the planet today should be starving or should be deprived of the, 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 the type of lives they can have, the modern lives they can have with modern technology. But they are. And this is, as I said, getting to the core of the problem, which is that there's no reason. The, 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 there is more than enough uh, petrol, despite what people say about peak oil. There's more than enough petrol uh, or, or oil to supply and has been uh, obviously um, to supply the the needs of, of the entire planet since it was since it began. There's more than enough energy uh, electricity capable of being produced to give everybody on the planet a modern, comfortable life like people in the West have. But that isn't the case. Now it's, it's it, it should be no surprise. It's no mystery to anyone. That the reason that that is that, that we have this 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 contrast in this you know rich and poor is because certain people wanted it that way. Uh, and we, in our in our last podcast, we cited the example of the average, the lowest paid worker in the U.S. earns about eleven thousand dollars per annum. Um, while last year, the the chief executive, the the, the president of one of the big um, oil companies in the U.S. Exxon Exxon Mobil earned thirteen thousand seven hundred dollars per hour. Now, before we would embark on any new technology. I think to ensure that we have the right people in positions of power to to distribute that energy correctly, we should address the imbalance that is going on at the minute. Because if we leave... I mean, it's all very well to have uh, an unlimited source of energy, but look at the people who are controlling it. Look at what they have done for the past 100 years. They have hoarded it, and they have enriched themselves to a disgraceful degree at the expense of millions of people around the planet. And why so would we have any hope that these same people would now turn around and say, oh, let's, let's give the entire world 
uh, limitless energy. In my opinion, they're not going to do it. So to a certain extent, the existence of this energy is irrelevant. The existence of this ability to, to give everyone free energy is irrelevant because of the type of people that are going to control it. They're not interested in, in, in helping anyone except themselves. I will probably surprise you, but this new energy is very difficult to control. Uh, if you want to control nuclear energy, it's a high level of sophistication and technology called and money, you know. But the experiments of Jonas and Sandia are not very, very difficult. Uh, I will not say that all little countries of Africa could make that, but it, if it's true, and personally I believe it's true. But it, it could be given to them. It can be, uh, yes. Why do they have to make it themselves? If, if America can make limitless energy, then America can, can, can give this energy free. Because it's free, they can give it for free. But no, the energy, the idea is free. Yes. You, you, you cannot patent it, you know. No. <laughs> you cannot patent fission, you know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, so... Uh, so your hope, if I understand what you're saying, your hope is that this technology, although we couldn't do it in our garage... It is simple enough that now that the idea is out there, that the cat is out of the bag, Absolutely. that other people could say, ah, let's try working on this so that the idea would escape the confines of the military-industrial complex in Absolutely. the United States, and then other people could Absolutely. do it. Absolutely. But who? Name these people for me. No, I would like to. Well, I'm a pessimist like uh, you. Who, no, who's no, going I, to take no, this no. energy? I'm just and trying to understand Jean-Pierre's argument here. Yeah, well, I'm just trying to uh, get no, to the bottom of it. I'd like to point something uh, to, to 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 indicate something very clearly. You know, it's not science fiction. It's only fusion. It is known since uh, more than half a century. We know that if we can achieve 500 million degree, we can make the fusion of lithium plus hydrogen. It is the fuel of the atomic bombs. Atomic bombs are filled with lithium hydrogen. It's not uh, liquid hydrogen, you know. We know that if we can achieve a, a billion degree, we can make fusion of burris plus hydrogen. It's not science fiction. Mm -hmm. So it is not the energy of vacuum, you know. It is not this kind of uh, idea, very smoky uh, uh, energy coming from Zero nothing. Zero point energy. Zero point and so, no, no, that's, that's simple, simple physics, classical physics. But uh, nature has been nice with us and uh, we, we achieved uh, good focusing of, of the shockwave. <laughs> so, so in a sense you're saying that all it would take is some philanthropist somewhere to gather together a team of physicists to start working on these kinds of ideas independently of the military-industrial complex and then be able to give it away. Essentially, it, it's an it argument, something like that. Take, for example, the Chinese. The Chinese, there are a lot of people. I have read in the newspaper something. Uh, if uh, all the people in China would spend, would uh, use the same energy as an American, we w should need another planet. <laughs> another planet for petrol, another planet for, mm -hmm. for the pollution. <laughs> so, uh, But if China were to take it in these ideas, and perhaps they already have, this uh, is... You know, what use could they do with 
they have very poor earth, they need water, they have desert. With this, you know, uh, something you have to put in your head, this application is not to to feed your your uh, instrument in your kitchen, you know. It's uh, to use this electricity to bring water in the desert to change the earth because you have, uh, it's unlimited energy. And this you cannot imagine because we have limited energy today because uh, we need fuel and you have a, a limited amount of fuel. You have the peak oil. Uh, somebody says we are going to, to, uh, to reach the end of the petrol, but it is not the end of lithium, end of birth. Yeah, yeah well, it, we don't even buy the fact that we're, we're at the end of uh, petroleum because we don't buy into the fact that it's a fossil fuel. We tend to think that the abiotic uh, hypothesis is, is accurate. That it's renewable. That it's renewable yeah. and that the whole yes, peak yes. oil is another manipulation that's being carried yeah. out to keep us in chains. Essentially. Yes, but you know, the, uh, the wind energy, the uh, tidal energy, the solar energy, you can use it. But what you can get from fusion is, has nothing to do as a, uh, with respect to the no, uh, magnitude. But then know? we come back to China, and as we've been discussing here, China is not a free society. The leaders of China have an iron grip over 1.3 billion people. And so even if China does get this technology, what hope can we have that they would make it available for the good of humanity, or would they just continue in the ways that they have now to use it to keep people even more uh, entrapped in the chains that they're already in. You know, it's not only the question for the Chinas, it's a question for everybody, for all the men on the earth. We were talking about the military uh, application of this uh, discovery. If you can achieve two billions degree, you focus it on a target uh, of lithium plus hydrogen, and you have a H-bomb, and mm -hmm. uh, a very useful H-bomb because it could be as large as you want and as little as you want. You can have a very small H-bomb with small power. You can use it, and uh, it you can it put it in it a pellet, and you can inject it in somebody's neck, and no, uh, no, but you know, you know, it was a democracy for H-bomb. H-bomb from from any country, you know, Luxembourg could bring H-bombs. Uh, Monaco could b uh, build H bomb too. Yes, that, that's crazy, you know. We could build one. Yes, we could. No, but you know, what a great world! Everybody has their own little pocket H bombs. Yeah. Yes, you know. So imagine road rage in the United States. You get yeah. upset with somebody, uh, you know, throwing H bomb in their car. Yes. So uh, uh, suppose we are gods, and we say to, ma to men, no. You have the possibility to destroy yourself. Anybody can build his own H-bomb. So is it anything better to do? <laughs> Try to find some, you know? Sakharov said that in a talk. Sakharov, when he received the Nobel Prize, he had a talk 
uh, in Stockholm. He didn't want to Stockholm himself, but uh, Elena Bonner uh, read the paper, and uh, he said, uh, "Now we are uh, reaching the time where uh, there is no time to take uh, a weapon and to to attack the other. It's time to help each other. It's time to to arrange the planet." And We're certainly in agreement with you about that. Yes, it is a time. It is way past the time to do that. Mm. The question is, how? Depends on the men, not on the leaders. The leaders will lose their power, you know, if uh, the energy uh, is dissolved, uh, expands. Mm. Mm? No? We'll pick up our conversation with astrophysicist Jean-Pierre Petit next week. For more information, you can go to Jean-Pierre's site at www.jp-petit.com. That's jp-petit.com. And from Jean-Pierre's site, you can get access to all of his uh, comic books, his bande dessinée, on the site Savoir Sans Frontières. And the link is on his site. So thank you for joining us, and we'll see you again next week. Thank you.